Welcome to another episode of Dear White Teacher. I'm your host, Brandon R. Scarborough. Um, many of you are probably asking, what is Dear White Teacher? It's a podcast and a platform um, to give support, ideas, and just to talk about um, what is going on in our classrooms and education. In many urban schools, um, the minority audience are primarily black students, but the majority authority some oftentimes are white teachers. And we have found that sometimes there's a disconnect. And so we want to help everyone be successful. And so uh, while we are uh, for our black students being successful, they can't be successful if we can't also help some of the white teachers that find themselves in these classrooms. And so today we have my buddy, my guy, um, Kenny Jojo Smith, who is with us. He's a great educator um, here in the city of Akron. Um, I'm going to let him tell who he is and what he's done and some of his accolades and whatnot, and then we'll jump into the conversation. What's going on, What's man? What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Man, thank, thank you for having for, me. Thank you for coming. Uh, so uh, I guess just, just jumping right into you know my background. So um, I did 15 years for Akron Public Schools, uh, a majority of Behavioral intervention specialist was was the main role that I had, but I did a couple of different things. I was a bullying prevention specialist. I um, started out as a substitute teacher, um, and then I was the behavioral intervention specialist. And then I, the last role that I had was restorative practices coordinator. And so, man, I dealt with all the quote unquote bad kids, all yeah. the behavioral kids. Yeah. If it was a bad kid labeled in the building, then me and that kid had a great relationship. Yeah. We were connected. So. Um, that's where my area of expertise uh, comes in, in terms of what I did in, in, in APS. So, man, I, I've been uh, in the building with you, and I, I've been in your classrooms, and even speaking to what you just said, if you, if you got the quote-unquote bad kid. So let, let's jump in and talk about how you managed and navigated some of those relationships, because I've witnessed um, you reaching those kids that were labeled bad and uh, dysfunctional and, you know, just every negative label that could be put on them. But right. you have these relationships with them, man, that extend outside of the classroom as well. So, you know, how do you, how do you, how do, you do that? Like, personality aside, because I know you, you, you're jovial and all that stuff, but what, what, what's the strategy, the techniques to, to really pulling those kids in? Um, so really, honestly, you just, you, you have to be yourself, like regardless of what that means, like regardless of what your background is. So for example, you can't be like a teacher from the suburbs and then come into the inner city and try to put on this front and be something that you aren't mm -hmm. because kids love authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for me, when I subbed, man, I was real observant as to what was going on in the schools. And I noticed that, um, students who look like me didn't have a lot of support. And so then when I would talk to students who look like me and, and figuring out what was happening in their lives and I was hearing some of the stories, so I'm hearing what's going on in their lives and then I'm hearing, I'm seeing that they don't really have any support. So for me, that was automatically like noticing what needed to be done. And then honestly, when, when we got into, when I got like into the classroom, I had my own classroom, I never approached any of the students other than students like I never had the bad kids or mm. all of the labels like I, I just I didn't do that because personally I wanted to know who they were as human beings 
Like, I'll be honest with you, a practice that I used um, may not be supported by everyone, but I had students who were on IEPs. And, you know, you're supposed to or you're taught to look at the IEPs to know all of the background and everything that goes on. I chose not to do that. I chose to meet the students and find out who they were first. Um, and so that practice was very successful for me because I went in without any biases in my mind. You know, mm -hmm. I went in with the open mind, mm -hmm. um, knowing that they obviously needed some type of support, but what type of support would they need that I could begin to determine for myself and then begin to see uh, about their background and paperwork and, and see if they would even talk about their background and things of that nature. So, I mean, I guess just to answer your question, man, I, I think that authenticity is such a big deal regardless of what you may assume that to be just being yourself. Yeah. So did you find that building these relationships with these kids, with these students, contributed to their success even outside of your classroom? And the reason I ask that is because, like I said, I, I've been in the school when, when you were there. and you, were, you was all over the place. You know what I mean? Like you, you weren't just, I don't mean all over the place, like you ain't know what you was doing. You weren't just in your classroom. You right. was all over the building. You know, and, and I think it was that thing of, uh, uh oh, they had so much respect for you. Uh, there go Mr. Smith. I ain't cussing right now. I, right. Ain't, you know, what I'm saying I right. ain't clowning right now, because you could peek in the door at any moment. Hey, hey, Mr. Johnson, you need to chill. You know what I mean? Right. And so, do you think that contributed um, academically in, in other ways to to their success? I think so because like. I was big on holding kids accountable, mm -hmm. right? Like, so you, they definitely need to be held accountable, but there's a way that you can make young people be accountable by addressing them and not demeaning them. Yeah. So I think that by me having the personality that I was able to have and then have a, having a patience level, right? Because at the end of the day, you're teaching yeah. and, and they have to learn things that like you may think that they know something or you may think that they have a certain maturity, but they don't because yeah. it is, everybody is at their own space. So for me, the kids respect, kids want to be held accountable, first of all. Yeah. Like, that's just true. Uh, kids want to be held to a standard. But when you can hold a kid to a standard, but also um, show different sides of yourself, they respect you even more. Um, and even when I hold them to a standard, like, I can explain what that standard is um, or even hear them out on to why they may feel that that standard isn't fair. And I may listen to them, right? For example, they might feel like, well... I don't think this should happen. And I'll let them voice to me why. And then I'd be like, well, okay, that's not how it works here. But mm -hmm. like, there's nothing wrong with you having that opinion. So I would allow them to have a voice, but then still hold them accountable. And so like, they respected me for that. I'm, I'm glad you just brought up voice because that, that made me think about um, you would have lunch with the kids. Yep. You know, so a, another relational strategy, you know, so... Tell me about some of those lunch conversations and, you know, how, you know, because I, I know in my day in school, if the teacher sat down at lunch with us, we like, hey, man, what you doing? You know, we having conversations that ain't none of your business, right. you know, but for you, you, you were sitting down with them, you know, having lunch a couple times a week. So, you know, how did that even turn in? Because I'm sure the very first time it was probably like, like what I just said. For sure. But then now it's like, hey, where Mr. Smith at? He ain't here to 
you supposed to be here now. Right, so right. what did that, how did that look? Turn um, out? That's funny that you say that because I, I would get mixed looks. Like some people, mm -hmm. you know, like welcome it right off the top. Yeah. And then others, like you said, like, hold on, like, yeah. what are we talking about? But then, honestly, it was an opportunity for me to relate back to when I was their age. Yeah. Right. So it, so it opened up the door of me being, me being vulnerable to share some of the stories. Like, so another thing that I think teachers try to portray Unfortunately, and I don't think that they like mean anything by it, but like teachers try to act like they just were the perfect student, right? Yeah. Like, and you weren't. Like, mm -hmm. no, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, we right, all right. had things that we had to learn. So, for me, that was an opportunity just to talk about middle school. Like, middle school was was my most, uh, the time that I struggled the most mm -hmm. in, in the, all my years of school. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, listening to them and what they were going through, I could relate. And so then I would share stories, and they'd be like, for real? You know what I'm saying? Like, they didn't happen to you. Like, I got my first F in middle school and I couldn't play basketball. And the kids knew that, like, I played college basketball and I was able to go overseas and do all these different things. And they like, hold up, like, you couldn't play? And I'm like, yeah, like, I got an F. And, you know, so then they want to know what the story behind that and what happened. And, you know what I'm saying? So, like, just me being vulnerable and telling them, like, yeah, I messed up in yeah. middle school. You know what I'm saying? And so then those conversations, then they like, dang, well, what else did he do that I could relate to. So they wanted to know more, like you were saying, um, they would miss me being gone or then they'd tell me like, man, yesterday we did this and talk to me about stuff. So I just think it's important to be vulnerable and own it because you just being real um, and students respect that. Yeah. So, so one lunch conversation that, that I'm aware of that just crossed my mind was my car got stole. <laughs> and so, you know, this is a true story. I'm gonna look at the camera and tell this. <laughs> My car got stole out my mama's driveway. I literally, literally went in my mom's house, left my car running. You know, I'm thinking, a decent neighborhood, no trouble, been there years, no trouble. Leave my car running, and I look out the window, and my car is gone. And I'm tripping, because I'm like, I know I parked there. My car gone. <laughs> So, you know, we go through the whole thing, whatever. I get my car back. Uh, he calls me and says, hey, man, I know who stole your car. <laughs> <laughs> he found out you found out at lunch. Yeah, I did. The crazier part of this was the cat that stole my car was in Dreams Academy. I had him as a student. He called another one of his boys who was one of my students. Then they called some other kids. But... What, what was that lunchtime conversation like? Man, so um, one of the students had a mark, a big, like, gash on his Yeah, okay, I remember you told me that. Right? And so there was a time where, like, the girls would eat first and the boys had to go to, like, a classroom. This was during COVID. Okay. Right? And so it was, like, restricted. Like, they had, everyone had to be certain amount of numbers in their room. Yeah. So, the boys would come to my room and, you know, we would have conversations. And so one of the, the boys had this gash on his leg. And I'm like, man, what happened? And he told me some lie, yeah. you know what I'm saying, about what happened. I'm like, man, from, like, that happened? I don't even remember what he said. Yeah. But So anyway, and we get to the, to the cafeteria. And uh, um, one of the guys who I got a relationship with, you know, that, uh, you know, kind of was labeled, was just telling me how, you know, he's trying to be better and stay away from people that's just doing crazy stuff and, so he told me that a couple boys tried to get him to get in a stolen car. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, for real? He like, yeah, that's why, what's his name? Leg messed up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like, 
man, I knew it. I'm like, yeah. I just asked him. And what he told me, I'm like, it had to be more to the story. Yeah, yeah. So then I'm like, a stolen car? So I'm like, what stolen car? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then next thing you know, we just started talking about the stolen car. And I'm like, and, and so the st- listening to the story, yeah. I immediately knew that it was your <laughs> car. Because we had just talked about that. And so now me being the person that I am, I went to the students. Yeah. Who stole your car? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because again, they already know I'm holding. Yeah. So I, like, I told them whose car they stole. And like, we had the whole conversation. And like, I didn't confront them to the fact, though, that made them um, feel threatened. Yeah. Because I could have went and confronted them in a street manner type of situation, mm-hmm. which I did not. I approached them with a guilt. And that really wasn't even what I was trying to do, to be yeah. honest. I was just trying to go confront them. But the way that I was able to do it, and I mean, I guess that's just, uh, I guess maybe one of the superpowers that I have, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> that, that type of situation. Because I, I did go confront them because I was mad because I knew that you helped them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when I confronted them, they didn't know, obviously, it was your car. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, they didn't know. No, nah, they, you know they, they had no way of knowing. Yeah, and... But the one I, that did it, the one that did it, yeah. had no way of knowing. But when, but when I addressed the situation, though, the way that I addressed it in terms of telling them like the story behind someone in our neighborhood helping our neighborhood out, like you, I saw the instant um, shame. Yeah. Right. I saw it. I saw shame go through that student. Right. Wow. Because he was being a young, yeah. you know, mischievous little boy. And I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like we can judge all we want. But at the end of the day, he wouldn't have stole your car. At all. Right. You know at what I'm all. saying? Like I seen it go through him. And so that's one thing, a sign. Like I recognize that. Right. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, I don't need to beat him up anymore. I don't need to kill him with words anymore. Like I saw the reaction that I needed to see. So mm-hmm. to me, and, and with my senses going off, I said, okay, he's remorseful. Like, he feel bad. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and you know, it kind of went from there. But, yeah, just in having relationships and talking to students, man, yeah. that situation straight came up yeah. unprompted and everything. Right, right, right. That's crazy. Um, and because I had a relationship with him, I knew he felt, I know he felt bad. And so even in going to um, court, I wasn't allowed to see him. But I, I told the judge, I said, man, I, I said, I had this dude. I had two of them. Uh-huh. I had the two out the four. Mm-hmm. I said, both of them, highly respectful. Um, you, you know, the video we had put out, you know, doing what they did and everything. I, I can't talk about it in great detail. Somebody go see it and, <laughs> and know who we talking about. But uh, great, great guys, man. Just no... I would have had no idea that that was something even cross cross his mind to do. And again, he had no way of knowing it was me. Um, so I'm positive that you you saw what you saw, you know, in that. Um, and so man, I would I, I'm not allowed to see him, but I wish I could because I would love to holler at him and just you know. Anyway, let 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 let's shoot to. You know, so the podcast is called Dear White Teacher, and so right. I know what school you were at. Um, beyond majority black population. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the numbers are probably on the other side when it comes to teaching and authority. It's probably majority white women. White, white women. So sure. I, okay. So let's talk about some of the things that you see in those relationships 
with black students that could use some some advice? Um, so I I saw a lot of just in my time in education, I saw a lot of um, teachers being passive is the word that I would use in terms of expectations mm -hmm. and in terms of accountability, mm -hmm. right? Because this this is one of the things I saw the most, right? Hold a kid accountable. They're going to be mad at you all day. They'll be all right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for real. Like, that's something so small, but it's so large because some people, as educators, like, we want to help, right? Mm -hmm. And so when a kid gets mad at us, right, we... We want to fix that. Yeah. You got to let them stew in it a little bit when you're holding them accountable. Mm -hmm. And I would see that with um, some of the teachers, right? And you know what I'm saying? From a standpoint of if you holding them accountable, hold them accountable and then kind of let that go. And so you're dealing with young men and women that, I mean, various backgrounds. But like, so now you're, you're the way that the world is right now, you're dealing with a lot of single parent homes, majority yep. moms, right? And so now, you know, that male voice is missing. So it's more, it, it was powerful for me being a male, but, but I just saw a lot of, um, you know, being passive. And I say that because I also saw white women not be passive, right? One of the teachers that I worked with was teacher of the year multiple times in the building. And we have a great relationship to this day. She was fair, firm, consistent mm -hmm. all the time, right? Like no matter what, she was fair, firm, and consistent. So she didn't have behavior issues because she was fair, firm, and consistent. And so when you're not like that, you're, you're going to be manipulated easy. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's like so important and you just have to stand and be who you are and you have to have enough strength to stand in who you are um, and have your expectations, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, for example, like, you know, kids want to, kids are always going to try to get over. I'll give you an example. Charging your phone, Right. Y'all can't charge your phone in my room. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we're not doing that. Like, because you're not even supposed to have it, right? So now it gets to, I can charge my phone in this room. This teacher let me, and, you know, trying to be friends. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I had my standard. Now, at the same time, I was realistic with that as well. I know some of my students' personal situations, right? Mm. And so some situations will be a lot drastic than others, and kids wouldn't even know some of the individual one on one conversations I would have. Um, with students in terms of uh, being able to break that policy. But so for me, like this is what we do in here in my room. And when other people wouldn't do it in other rooms, um, I would, you know, apologize for that teacher. And so it's just, it's small things like that. But when you give them a little bit, you give a kid an inch, they're going to take a mile, yeah. right? You know what I'm saying? But until you establish your boundaries, and then you're not breaking boundaries. Now you have different scenarios and situations that come up. But so... Mm -hmm. You know, just to answer your question, though, I, I felt like it was a lot of, um, you know, teachers being passive and they, and they weren't fair, firm and consistent all the time. So a couple of things you said. Um, you said friends. So teachers trying to be friends with, with students, thinking that's a way to a strategy to build relationship. The, the word I was thinking about as you were talking was fear. You know, are, are some of the teachers scared of the kids so they try and be the friend because they don't know how to operate around the fear factor of things mm -hmm. and establish those boundaries because they scared of the reaction they scared of the behavior 
um, or, or, you know, just w whatever it might be that um, I think that fear plays into the friend, friend zone, I guess, for lack of a better word. I agree. Um, so uh, another piece you just mentioned um, was creating boundaries in the classroom outside of, uh, outside of rules. You know, mm -hmm. we, we, we know what the rules are. We know you're supposed to raise your hand to speak. What, what, are, what are some, I guess, teacher-student boundaries that should be in place? Um, I mean, you have your regular ones, but I think that you also have to give students a voice, right? Mm. And so at, when you're creating them, like this is suggested by administrators to teachers, like include your students into your boundaries that you're creating, right? So that they have a voice in, in what those are. And so I'm going to give you an example. Like now... It's a time and a place for cell phones in class. Like you can use it. It can be an asset to you in class, right? Yeah. But it also can be a big distraction, right? I'm not sitting here acting like it can't. So me, I never really had problems with phones. Like, look, this was the policy. Don't have your phone out. You know what I'm saying? And if you did, you know, first you get a warning, whatever, whatever, right? But I had one class. My last year being in the classroom, I had a class, man, and we just struggled with the cell phones, right? <laughs> like... And I never really had to deal with it because usually when I said something, I got relationships like it was yeah. what it was. And But I had a group that that didn't matter. And so now I could choose to be mad or whatever, but I'm like, okay, what I typically do doesn't work. So now you got to be, you have to pivot. Like you have to do something different. So we did this in the behavior classroom that I taught in. And so I'm like, well, at this time I wasn't in the behavior classroom anymore. I was teaching the social emotional learning class. So I brought all my students together. We called them family meetings. I said, y'all, we got to have a family meeting. Everybody put your stuff down. We got in a circle. I said, man, we got to talk about this. I said, man, I don't have time to be explaining myself multiple times when I'm trying to give y'all some information and you distracted by your phone. Then you want to ask me for some help, but you wasn't even paying attention when I just told you what was going on. Right. I said, so I don't really do this phone situation, right? So I need y'all to tell me how we going to fix this because... My rules ain't working, and y'all think y'all got y'all's own rules, so we got to figure this out. Right. And so, like, they wanted, I felt like I didn't, I shouldn't have to warn them every time, because y'all know coming in my room, like, you can't have your phone. And so they like, no, we should get a warning. And I did not want to give a warning. But they wanted a warning, so like, okay. I, I, I gave way of what I wanted to something that they wanted. And so then... I had a phone box, right? So the mm. first one, you get your warning. The second one, I had a box. I had a box that was out for everyone to see. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want your phone. I used to tell them, y'all's phone's raggedy anyway. <laughs> y'all's phone ain't better than mine. So I don't right. want your little raggedy phone, but it's distracting you. So we're going to put it in the box. You know what I'm saying? And so that's it. Like, I'm not arguing with you to put it in the box. Like, yeah. that's what we're going to do. So then after we had that conversation, we talked about it. I'm like, is that fair? Like, is this fair? Everybody said, yeah. I'm like, y'all agree? We agreed. Everybody, I wrote it up on, the, um, on like this big sheet. Everybody signed it. That's what we agreed to, right? After that, it got to the point where they policed each other. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because when I'd be like, hey, it's time. Like, I get a warning. And then, of course, I'm going to get somebody like, man, go put your phone in the box. Yeah. Then, of course, at the first, you got people like, man, I don't want to. The kid's like, man, go put your phone in the box, man. You know you're going to get it back at the end of the right. period. Like, <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So, right. like, for real just by me giving them the power, right, you know what I'm saying, and, and breaking from what I thought needed to be set, 
Like, you got to be able to have some give and take, you know what I'm saying? And, and you still maintain your authority. Still maintain my authority. We got what we needed done. The cell yeah. phone stopped becoming a distraction. Boom, there you go. And even created leadership in some of the students who began policing the other students. Yep. Man, that's, that's, that's dope. That's dope. Uh, something else you touched on, uh, background situations. So, you know, we, we know all of our kids come from some of the craziest stuff that they got. You know, to your point, some of the kids need they phone in school because yep. they got some stuff going on. Yep. So you, that means you've already navigated the relationship to even know this stuff. So now they trust you. Mm -hmm. They've confided in you. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that with the other students when you know he needs his phone? Mm -hmm. I probably can't tell him to put his phone in the box. How do you navigate that to say, not that he's special, but so everybody else don't feel like he's special. Transparency. Wow. Straight up. If you real with them, they'll respect it. And because and the kids know <laughs> right. he need his phone. <laughs> right, right. Right. So we right, ain't about right. to sit here and play and act like y'all don't know why he need his phone. Right. Yeah. Or whatever the case may be. Because like we had that situation. Like I'm telling you, a kid got his phone taken from an administrator um, my last year in the classroom. And he missed it. He, he missed the call. His dad had just called him, and his dad was in jail. Mm. And he hadn't spoken to his dad in a long time. And his dad wasn't gonna be able to call back. Yeah. And I mean, he was like, he when he got to my room, I could see it on his face. I'm like, man, what's wrong? He told me, you know, what the situation and what happened. And so I, the, the 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 administrator who took it is was a very good guy. Like, you know, what I'm saying, and if he would have known that situation, yeah. so we went down there. So after class, I'm like, all right, I'll take you down there. We we hollering, you know what I'm saying? Like, he apologized. He, you know what I'm saying? He didn't know all of the details in that, and you know, he like, man, but I saw that in him. But for me in my classroom, I straight tell him, like straight, like when I'm addressing that as a whole, like, look, y'all, it's gonna be some. Some people gonna have different situations. And I'm aware of them. And mm -hmm. so that it ain't everybody's business. Yeah. Like just I'm telling you, if you man, if you are straight up honest with kids, they're gonna respect it. And that that's just that was my my go-to. Yeah. So even in, in this story, the the thing that comes to mind for me is what could the administrator have done to be aware of that information? From a relational standpoint, I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like almost why why weren't they that cool to know that well and actually this administrator was okay you okay, know what i'm saying okay. like this administrator did have those relationships okay um but honestly sometimes it spirals mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and, and typically this person didn't jump but you know it was just one of them times yeah you know what i'm saying typically that administrator does so it's just, okay. it's just important that they do yeah you know what i'm saying and it was just a, a miss it was just him being caught up in the day yeah. type of situation you know what i'm saying um well and then it was some previous it was some previous things that actually the student was able to be real about because like when we had the conversation the the administrator brought up some uh, instances that took place prior to that where he had to uh, redirect that student in different classrooms when that student wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So now he was also able to be real about, you actually kind of set yourself up for that. Like, I, even though this is a sad situation and you yeah. missed that phone call, 
if we're really being honest, which we would try to be, what you did earlier in the day actually allowed this to ha like you know so we were gotcha. able to really have a real conversation yeah. <clears throat> and grow from it you know yeah. what i'm saying so it was it was pretty dope have you ever found yourself counseling advising other teachers on how to use authenticity how to use transparency how to how to build those relationships in the classrooms to create success to be honest with you man um i started to do it toward the end and when I say the end, is because I, I chose to leave traditional education and work for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was in the behavioral units, because of the, uh, the stigma that went with my students and the way that I would hear other teachers talk about my students, I, I didn't speak up as much as I feel like I should have because I was kind of in my lane. We were being successful. I would hear students say, we don't want your kids or those kids and things mm -hmm. of that nature. So I, I operated for a lot of years in my bubble because I was able to. But then as I got older and I felt like I needed my voice and people respected my voice, I did as I started to go. And, I, and honestly, that's one of the things I feel like I should have did earlier uh, because people wanted to know. But um, no, because I'm just like, man, forget it. Like they don't know. And so, you know, it's just one of those things of, of, of learning and navigating. And so eventually I did, but I think yeah. I should have did it earlier. So that, I'm glad you said that. Like, so even one of the reasons that I, I'm led to do this podcast is exactly what you just said. People want to know. They want to know how to build relationships. Um, it, it's called Dear White Teacher because there's a disconnect many times between cultures, races, ethnicities, and all of that stuff. But people do want to know, and oftentimes they're, they're scared to speak up um, or ask, you know, how can I navigate this? How can I navigate that? Or even if it's about a particular student, how can I reach this student? And so that, that's why I asked that um that question so uh, uh another concept you, you you mentioned teacher preparation do you feel like preparation includes relationship building um no i don't i don't feel like i mean of course it's touched on obviously and everyone says well so let me back up it's touched on Let's talk about in the realm of what we're talking about. Yeah. We're talking about white teachers going into. So I, I use this and I probably will use this, this example a lot. I was in a classroom and I, I probably said this on the last episode, but I'm talking to you now. I was in a classroom with a white teacher in a fourth grade, teach, uh, fourth grade classroom, maybe third grade. She referenced Biggie Smalls and Tupac. Then the third, fourth grade have zero idea right. who these people are and she said I raised my kids to them she lived in the suburbs and it was that concept of I'm coming into the inner city because I want to do good I'm not gonna take that from her sure. she, she absolutely wanted to do well For and sure. succeed and teach the kids but that was a, a, a thing she used to try and pull them in it was a huge fail right I was sitting there like that's my that's my era, for you know sure, what I'm saying? For sure. But back to the preparation piece, do is that is that taught? Is that even given culturally? You know, it's going to look different in the it's going to look different in the hood than it's going to look in the suburbs. Yeah, and so like, man, the teacher prep is so a couple of things, right? Teachers are right now 
putting out how they were taught, right? Mm. So the preparation is one thing. So I like to use sports analogies because I'm, I'm from sports, right? So if I'm learning how to go between my legs and playing basketball, right, at practice, in the game, if we down by one in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, I ain't really going between yeah. my legs because I'm not comfortable enough yeah. in doing that. So I think that is touched on. But now, if we touched on it, now I'm like actually in my classroom and I got to mm -hmm. implement some of these things. And I haven't, we haven't went deep enough to where I feel like it's actually a part of my repertoire. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not, I'm not touching that, that right there because yeah. I don't have, you know, enough familiarity with it. And so I think that in teacher prep, man, it is so content driven and it's not inclusive of multiple cultures, mm -hmm. right? Because one thing that bothers me is how from all kids, but specifically our black boys, is the word hyper. Because mm. when little boys have a lot of energy, does not make them overly high. Like that, that doesn't, they just are energetic. They're yeah. little boys. Yeah. Right? And so, so when you take terms like that, in my, in my preparation, if I'm coming in with that deficit way of thinking, I'm already coming in with the wrong mindset. Yeah. So I just think there's a, there's a whole mindset shift that has to take place in order for teachers and what they're coming into. And so, you know, a lot of teachers are coming in as masters of content, but like, I don't care how much math you know. Cause like, for real, for real, like, I didn't move the last three weeks. I didn't been sleeping in a different Come room. On, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every other day for three weeks, yeah. like right now. The, the like, only I, meal I had was here. I don't really care right now. And so how do you take the reality of that situation and then be able to empathize and still be able to give me some type of education. Like, don't don't make it so that now you feel sorry for me, mm -hmm. right? So there's that fine line too, yeah. because people don't understand, but it's a lack of. So I think the teacher prep has to improve, but now you have people at the university level, right? So if we being real, you have decision makers at the university level who are old white men who don't understand what needs to take place and so they're reluctant to make these changes because we don't have the representation at the decision-making tables that we need to include multiple perspectives so that we can really see some change. So what we're doing is we, we, we are reproducing the same type of teachers that you and I had mm -hmm. as I'm 39, you and your four, like it's a new era. It's, yeah. a, it's a new situation. And so new ideas and new thought processes and different things have to come to the forefront, or you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Teachers are going to keep quitting, um, and, and it's just going to be the same thing over and over again. They leaving in droves. Yeah. They tired. But I think a piece of that tiredness is not knowing the stuff we're talking about. For sure. You know, so um, knowing how to empathize, you know, that's, that's a personal characteristic, though. How do we teach empathy? Right. You know what I mean? Um, empathy, sympathy, all, all of the things. How do we even teach how to read a room? You know, that can, that it's almost taxing. How do you, if I got 20 kids in my room, how do I read 20 different personalities, 20 different backgrounds, possibly 20 different traumatic situations? I, I, in an urban school, I might have five kids that all moved this week. All right. What do I do with that? Well, I'm going to tell you what I do. And I think all teachers should hear this. I treat all 20, 25 of them like they mine. 
straight up. Can your kid, if you're a parent, sit in your classroom and you be okay with their experience for you as their teacher? Mm. That's some real reflection <laughs> right. that people don't want to talk about. Right. If your own child can't come in your room, for all my years of teaching, and you know how the kids are too, yeah. like, right? You can't be fake. So like, it wasn't no be fake when the evaluation time comes. Because the mm. kids would be like, Mr. Smith, you, we wasn't even doing that, man. Now you trying to act like that because such and such came over here. Right. Like, I was the same. I, man, I don't care if the superintendent walked in. I don't care if the principal walked in. Like, they might have some feedback on how I could grow. I was good with that. But I was who I was. And I honestly believe if my own child was sitting in my classroom, I, that's how I approach my job. That's big. And that's just, that's just real. Yeah. That's huge. Like, that's huge, like, I'm going to need to make a clip of that and just post just that clip. Like, that's big. Um, man, so you said you're out the classroom now. Yeah. You know, tell everybody what you got going, what you're doing. Um, so right now I'm doing a couple different things. So I'm a children's book author. Um, I released a children's book November 2020 called We Love Our Daddy. Um, my second children's book um, is about to drop here soon. It's called I'm Watching. Um, talks about little boys being influenced by their environment. Um, and so right now I'm doing a lot of different things outside of the classroom. I'm a speaker um, and I'm doing some educational consulting work. And so I'm working with um, behavioral students, I'm trying to help teachers and, and do some teacher coaching. So I'm doing a lot of different things in that nature, but I'm doing um, all those underneath my own company. Um, I am Possible Enterprise. So it's I am Possible Enterprise .com is, is my website. And so um, you can follow me on social media um, at Akron Coach underscore Jojo because I also have a nonprofit organization. That's what's on my, my chest, Ladies First Akron. And so I'm a, I'm a youth champion, but now I've uh, left traditional education because I feel like I can help more teachers um, assist students by actually going in purposefully and helping in different areas. So cool. that's, that's what I'm doing right now. So follow me on Instagram, follow me on Twitter um, underneath at Akron Coach underscore JoJo, and then my company is I Am Possible Enterprise. And so um, I also got a podcast, man, the Forever <laughs> Forward podcast. I'm a podcast host uh, with Dr. Erica Glover, who has done some amazing things in education as well. So, you know, just trying to help, like you, teachers get a different perspective because they can be successful if they change their mindset. And that's, yeah. that's just what it is. And so since I know you got something real deep and good for us, like, Leave the teachers with one last Kenny Jojo Smithism. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just made that up. <laughs> um, let's see. If I was to leave teachers with anything, honestly, man, I would leave them with be yourself. Like, like that's it. I need you to be yourself. So if you're if you a suburban white dude that listen to country music and have no idea what hip-hop is, right? You don't really mess with it. Be that dude, but then when you come into the inner city, allow yourself to learn with your students. Yeah. It's going to be a great experience if you are just your authentic self and you allow yourself to learn with the kids. My guy, man. Thank you so much for coming, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you all for watching this uh, episode of Dear White Teacher. Uh, we'll be back to you next time with another guest. Uh, follow my guy, Akron Coach Jojo, on all the stuff he said. It'll be on the screen. See you next time.